This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Strick and Austin. That's right, hour two on the block on a game week Monday. I'm Austin Norman, he's Eric Strickland. You can tell it's game Jay week. Jay Feezy! Jay Foreman yeah. in the house. Welcome, Jay. Yeah, man. Yeah, Half an hour early. 45 yeah, minutes yeah, early. Dude, Jazzy Faye! 50, 53 minutes early. Drop a beat for us one time. <laughs> Jazzy Faye. I, uh, <laughs> I ain't got no beats, man. The brother can't even can't sing or nothing. Well, that's all good, but I, I listen, I know you, you got somewhere I want to be, but this is why I wanted to bring Jay into this conversation because um, it's the same, but it's different, and it's good to have a different perspective from different types of locker rooms, mm-hmm. but the the ultimate, the well, let me just, not the ultimate, but the end of it all is pretty much the way we handle it right. and deal with it, but a lot have been going on with Matthew Stafford, it sounds like. Um, there's like 36 rookies that are on his team. Yeah. There's only like four veterans, like Tyler Higby, um, Donald Cub, yeah. uh, Donald Cooper, uh, and Cooper Cup. Yeah, and there's like there's like four Aaron of them. Donald, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So most of those guys are all young guys. So you've got a bunch of young guys in a new locker room, and the generations have changed. It has shifted. We come from a generation, Jay. And this is what I'm going to get into. I'll give you the backstory on it um, when Jay kind of gets away. But we come from a generation where we didn't have these communication devices like this. Right. Where literally everything you do can be done. We, yeah. The phone was literally just a talk. You're right. That's you it. know, that's no the closest you get. Nothing. Yeah. And I remember I had the big, fat Motorola one, yeah. the one that you had to carry on your shoulder. <laughs> the Miami Vice. You know, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, so you know Vice. what I'm talking yeah. about. So we didn't have the same communication devices that they do these days. But there was also a hierarchy yeah. when you're dealing in a locker room. Oh, yeah. So when you came into a locker room, I want to hear your perspective on what that was like, and then I'll I'll give it from uh, you know the basketball side of things as well. But how was it for you in the connections, in the relationships, in the camaraderie? How yeah. did you, the unification of the group? Because he's struggling trying yeah. to interact, commune. They look at him it differently because they've seen him. They grew like up watching father. him, and, it, right. it, and I do have experience with that because I don't know if Buffalo thought I was going to make the team. But the only locker that was open was between Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith. I watched, Welcome to the league, Jay. Right, and I grew up watching both of them. So, like, I was always told, and Ted Washington was great. You know, first of all, he's intimidating. But he, I always, he just said, hey, look, man, just keep your mouth shut and make plays. Right? And so I always knew, like, my experience coming from Nebraska was, you know, shut up and show up and let your pass do your talking. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you got to do the – yeah, I wouldn't even call it hazing. It's just rookie duties, right? And so the pecking order was you're doing a lot of listening and a lot of learning. And that's what I did. And that's what, you know, and I was blessed to be in the the cusp of those conversations that they were having. And so, the, but the disconnect, now Squatty, Thurman Thomas, we, his nickname is Squatty, he was great because he going to talk to everybody mm-hmm. because he's going to talk junk to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and but then he going he going to be there. That for breaks you. the walls down. And then he's going to be like and that. then and then he's going to be like, "Look, man, this is what you need to look yeah. for. This is what this running back likes to do, especially for young guys cuz he wants to win." 
Whereas Bruce, Bruce, I felt like was more of an iconic figure and no way I was on his level as a rookie or a second year guy. So that's where I could see, understand with Matthew Stafford. But when we got in the huddle, Bruce was like, Hey, we in this. Mm -hmm. And my experience was to be honest with you. I remember we, I got in the game against Tampa and you know, I was kind of, I was doing okay. But then Pat, we came to money time and we had a timeout, you know, we, you know, they call a defense over and we kind of, we ran this like uh de tackle linebacker stunt. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I need you to make this play. Mm. You, you, are, he you knew what was right, going to draw. Right, he, yeah. Okay. Right. You got to make this play. Don't, he's like, you ain't, you don't play like no rookie. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, that's where it goes, but um, it's different now because we grew up communicating. Yes. Right? So I had to look you in your face. Right. If I wanted to talk to the honey, I had to go to right. the door. I had to put it on a note. I had right. to do something. So, yeah, had to, the different so type of communication. Even in the linebacker room, yeah. right? Um, from John, I always talk about John Hollisett giving me a ride home after minicamp. He was a fifth-round pick, you know, but he was been there for a while. I was the late fifth-round pick. I'm a linebacker. He's a linebacker. And he was just giving – he was just spitting games. Science. Just talking to me. Uh -huh. Hey, man, I know I, – look, man, I've been there. You probably should have went a little higher. You got to play with a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, you worry about how you play on defense. Y'all, he's like, you got to make one or two big plays on special teams. That's how. I mean, he's just doing all that stuff, and then he finding out where I'm from, what makes me tick, and then boom, I'm just, I'm just tagging along with him. And mm -hmm. then, and then, and then you, he give you like little snippets when you get into a tight game. He be like, shoot, rookie. But then I still was watching from across the weight room, seeing how him and. Jay Remensma was his big workout partner. Mm -hmm. So then I just kind of – so they were doing something. I'd wait for them to leave. Then I'd go do it. You know, but then the communication was there, like even with the coaches yeah. and the position coaches. Yeah. Like Ted Cottrell and Wade were great, and they would pull you aside and ask, like, okay, you know, they knew once that, that rookie wall hit you. And I don't know if you had that uh, strict, whereas, like, you know, you got four preseason games, six weeks training camp, and you get to, like, week 10 – you know, I'm thinking like the season's over. This is when we go on yeah, overdrive in yeah, the league, and you're yeah. trying to finish good. So that was good. And then, uh, but like the communication was great once you got in there. But the 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 communication in the in the pecking order is what I needed though, because not to keep me down. It's like you just got to learn by steps, right? So here here's an example. So yeah, I got in as a rookie, played well, right? You still haven't arrived. You get in in their second year, okay, you got some respect because you made it one year. Let's see if you can get better, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. you're a real, real deal. Okay, you made it the second year and you got a little bit better. So then – and so you went from no voice to just like a faint voice. Your third year after your legitimate starter and then your third year you play, okay, you got a voice. And then the fourth year, then you become like the alpha and then you kind of are in there. But then th that's how it should go, and that's how teams are built. You know what I mean? That's how. That's how. Keyword teams and built. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So you knew who's coming up the pipe. You knew who. You knew what made each other tick. Right. There's some. I mean, the be like. So when we did walkthroughs before we go on the road, and I would just be, and I would get caught in the middle between Bruce Smith and Sam Rogers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they would just be going at each other. Yeah. And you better not laugh. Uh, and see, and that's and that's hey, that's it. You better not laugh. Yeah, you just when you're a rookie, just listen. Yeah, because if you start laughing, because now they on you, they on me. Yeah, and and, yeah. and Ted Washington to this day, and Marcellus Wiley, what we call him Wild Style, 
every time I see him or they hit me on like Twitter or whatever, they be giving me the business. So Ted lives in Charlotte. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And like sometimes yeah. I run into him at the barbershop in Marcellus, you know, he's, he's out in LA or whatever yeah. and he'll, I'll hit him up and he did, you know, we always get after each other, but that was cause I was a young guy. Yeah. And they, you know, they always made fun of me because I had flat feet. They, so when we, so when we played in the snow, they said that the only reason I was making tackles because my feet was flat. You know, what they I'm were saying? stuck to the ground. Yeah, they talk about they talk about had skis and stuff. So then they from Minnesota. So they, they always reference that though yeah. from a rookie. Yeah, yeah. And then we kept in touch with each other, you know, throughout the league. And see, that's that's the thing. And I know Jay's got to you got to dip out of here. Thank yeah. you so much for that. Yeah, inside, man, I'll be Jay. right back. Uh, we'll catch we'll him on the uh, on the crossover. But again, Austin, this is the thing about it, you, just from the NBA perspective, and I, I can understand what Stafford's going going through. It's mm-hmm. just because there's been generational shifts. This thing has become such a major importance uh, in the lives and the livelihood. This is this is the reason why coaches today, Austin, they have to basically. You, you know, I think if you watch well-off media or you watch, you know, guys that are in the, 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 uh, the locker room and you've seen certain situations when he was coaching at Jackson State and now at Colorado, where he basically has to yell at them. You, you know, you hear other coaches talk about it, but what are you doing sending tweets and this? We're in the middle of a freaking game. You know what I'm saying? And that's their mentality. Mm-hmm. Tweet and and, you know, sending Instagram pictures inside the locker room. Bro, that's a, that's t- Tuesday or something. And, you know, don't be doing that during the game. You know, that's the difference of the time that we live in. And it's unfortunate because guys like Stafford, even though Stafford's not, you know, our age, but he still was on the cusp of still needing to have some communication, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being able to sit down and enjoy conversation with your, bro- with your brethren. You know what I mean? That part is the part that I'm curious about. And these comments that I'm going to read are coming from his wife, Kelly. Um, Apparently, Matthew to his wife says, I don't know. Am I the dad? Do I take their phones? What do I do here? He says, I I want them to see me not as a coach. Mm -hmm. And that's tough because you want that respect. He's been around the league for a while. Was it 15 years? But yeah. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, he's one of them. He's still a player, right? And that I can only imagine how tough that would be. I mean, that's a, it's a different generation from Matthew Stafford to some of these kids. So what was your experience like, you know, coming in as a rookie trying to get acclimated to the league. And then when you get to year seven, eight, nine, was that any different as you see rookies come into the league? Well, this is why I say it's the same, but it's, it's, it's different, just different locker rooms. Mm -hmm. It's the same because when I came in, you know, even though I was the same age as Jason Kidd, he was the leader of the team, leader not by voice but by play. Jason mm-hmm. was very quiet. But then you had Mashburn, same way, very quiet. Jimmy a little bit more vocal. But on the team, that team was Derek Harper. And Derek Harper was an alpha, very outspoken. And um, so I just came in and I would just sit and I would just make sure I did my job. What I was called on to do, if it was to change the pace, if it was to you know, guard 94 feet, if it was to make sure I knew what the assignments were, I needed to be on point and not really talk about it. And it wasn't until Derek Harper, uh, we were playing, I think, the Houston Rockets, and Derek Harper, um, we were having stints of shooting woes. And, and I was being deferring. I was a deferring guy because I wasn't 
the guy. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, just doing my job. Derek says, no. And he cursed at me. We'd have to dump it. But he was like, you know, we need you to shoot the ball. We shoot need the, you to score. Yeah. we, mm-hmm. You know, he was really on me about it. And it's those type of things that that leadership is what helped. So we hung out. Me and Derek, we'd go out and eat sometimes. It's getting that veteran presence to then understand what, you know, the conversations. They have a little bit more conversations at the top levels than I do just to know, kind of get a better ear. Mm-hmm. And then it's to pay attention. But the new generation, they came in because they came in off of Instagram. They came in off of all these different. They come in thinking, you know, I'm, I'm the guy already. And that's mm-hmm. that's where the disconnect is. And this was what makes it hard, I think, going both ways, whether you're coming in as a rookie to try to be the head guy and lead the charge, like I.E. C.J. Strouds and Bryce and Anthony you know, Richardson, Anthony Rich, yeah. those guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they know they have to listen to you, but you're going to have to prove it to them, too, that you are worthy of that type of uh, leadership role. Obviously, every NBA team is built different, right? Some guys, the point guard's the leader, but in Denver, it's the center, yeah. in Nikola Jokic. In the NFL, it's the quarterback. Yeah. Quarterback, 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 from day one has to step in and be a leader. So as you look at those three guys you mentioned, those three rookie quarterbacks that are all going to start, is their job of acclimating to the locker room easier because they're quarterback and they have to get to know everyone, or is it harder? Um. Well, well, I, I think we have a good sample size, and – on 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 both, uh, I think uh, going a couple of ways. One sample size, you look at Kyler Murray, right? You can look at just kind of the dysfunction. There's not a lot of stability. Yes, you came out and shine and show improved early on. You know, putting yourself in MVP voting, con- uh, you know, conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played pretty well, um, but you didn't compound it. So now there's dissension. There's you know, some misunderstanding maybe with DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, now you, you, you do the, uh, Instagram, that whole move with your wiping everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing all of this stuff and, and it just takes away from the, you know, the, your ability to come, you know, converse and have those Mm -hmm. type of relationships because guys can't trust you. They can't trust you to, one, be there. They can't trust you to do the job because guess what? They're hearing the stories, too. Mm-hmm. And then if they play favoritism to you, you cause another form of dysfunction within the group. So you look at the other side, Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes showed improved. You can look at Joe Burrow. You can look at those other guys. Mm-hmm. They came in and established themselves. And then the vocal parts of them began to come out. You can tell the difference between Mahomes by the way he handled situations in that was it the the, the championship game where his ankle was hurting and mm-hmm. you can he couldn't have, he couldn't have done that as a rookie. Mahomes is also an illustrative example too because he sat a year, yeah. right? The Chiefs drafted him to be the guy and take over for Alex Smith, who had a really good year mm-hmm. in his last year as starter. But Mahomes sat the bench that year, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe from the that's outside. A hum- that's a humbling thing. It, it is. Maybe from the outside, we were all, oh, the, the Chiefs took a flyer on a project. We'll see if Andy Reid can make anything out of this guy. The conviction the Chiefs had to have to trade up from where they were to go get Patrick Mahomes tells me they knew he was always going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. That's a fine line to walk, where the organization wants to give you that confidence that you're our quarterback of the future, but you're also not starting right now. You still have to defer to Alex Smith. Push him. Make him better, but he's going to push you and make you better. So how how is Patrick Mahomes being the guy with that attitude 
while not being the guy on the field. And, and see, that's a that's a good point. But it's very similar to what we saw with Trey mm-hmm. and with Love. Sure. Put in a similar position. Um, and then then you have the situation that I think you can get a really good understanding of what this what this conversation is like. You have the Tannehill and Malik Willis situation. Oh my gosh, yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. I think that's that tells the real story. Um that it says the quiet part out loud. Screams it. It that 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 part of it screams it. So that's where I'm like, uh you know, I think this has kind of been going on. It's kind of festering on the wall. You know, uh, the guy that is capable of taking your place, do you want to help them? But the real good ones and the real good teams, they're the ones that do. And mm-hmm. that's, where, that's why the locker room is important. This is why I think you're going to see, because guess where it started? I think it started from Kyler Murray. And this is why I think your team is in a free-for-all to the bottom. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> but then you look at, the other side and you look at the Chiefs now and you look at other teams like them mm-hmm. and you can see that 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 there's a little bit more establishment of, of, of that leadership role. The last thing I have on this before we get to uh, Brian Munson to talk some Husker football recruiting in our next segment, it's, it's a lot of talk about the locker room and those dynamics between younger players and more established players. How important is just the infrastructure of like support staff in helping some of these young guys come along. So I feel like whenever we have, you know, one of these hot shots come in, they usually get a wise lesson from someone that's not even on the coaching staff. Um, is, is that just anecdotal? I mean, I, I, I think there are some teams that budget for that. There are mm-hmm. some teams that put those type of uh, uh, individuals in their organizations or in their college. Um I think there's there's value value to different positions of those type of roles um, all throughout the college game because it's so much more than just getting on the court and going to practice and traveling and doing it's so much more there's so many more things that they deal with outside of school work and, and writing papers and doing stuff like that and I think sometimes those extra voices those extra ears and and I've always said that some of us are better at hearing stuff from uh, another uh, peer or person Mm -hmm. as opposed to that authority figure, whether it be a coach or a parent or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's a lot easier to hear the same message coming from someone else. And that's why it's good to have these different peer groups from someone that's earned your respect versus someone that has it by default when you walk in sort of thing. Yeah. He's Eric Strickland. I'm Moss Norman. Shout out to Jay Foreman. He'll be back in about half an hour or so to cross it over with us. We're going to step aside. Call Brian Munson. Got some Husker football recruiting news over the weekend. We'll get into that. Maybe a little Minnesota preview with Brian as well after this. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport you'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.